Hi, guys, and welcome to the Healthified Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has, for over 15 years, delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Before we get started, this episode of Healthified is brought to you by our sister company, Gratified, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. Our products are made with real food ingredients and blood sugar balance in mind. For a discount off of our products, visit Gratified.com and use the promo code HEALTHIFIED at checkout. Today's guest is Brundy Brody, best-selling author of The Calcium Connection, the little-known enzyme at the root of your cellular health. She wrote this book after a journey to uncover her son's health issues, and it is a powerful story. Over the course of several years, she began to make the connection between the severity of his symptoms and exposure to certain foods and substances such as food additives, artificial flavorings, food dyes, pesticides, and off-gassing from plastics. Looking for a link, she discovered that all of these substances had a negative impact on calcium ATPase, a key enzyme found in every cell in the body. In our conversation, we discuss Brody's book, The Calcium Connection, and what ultimately led her to complete writing it, the importance of calcium ATPase with muscle function, asthma, mood swings, and much more, products you can eliminate to improve the quantity and function of calcium ATPase in your cells, how to navigate situations such as parties where you and your kids are exposed to food diets and other toxins, Brody's favorite non-toxic products for a healthier home environment, and how enjoying life's simple pleasures is more important for overall health than you may think. Let's head to our chat. Hi, Brundy. Hi. It is so great to be connected and thank you so much for coming on the Healthified podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited about our conversation because, you know, as the tagline of your book, which I will introduce in a second, the little known enzyme, it is not something I know that much about. So I know that myself and our listeners are going to learn so much from you today. Um, but for those of you listening, this is Brendy Brody. She is the best selling author of her book, The Calcium Connection, the little known enzyme at the root of your cellular health. She wrote the book after a journey to uncover her son's health issues. And with that, I would love for you to just kick it off and tell us a little bit more about you, your story, and how you got to where you are. Sure. So I never expected to, to be in, involved in medical research at all. Um, it all started with my son, Canute, who was born uh, in the first hour of his, of, after his birth, he was rushed into the ICU because his oxygen level was really low. And that kind of set the panic mode in. Um, he was in, in for a week and they basically ran all the tests. And the only thing they could come up with was sleep apnea. So he came home and he had to wear the monitor 24-7, which, you know, was really intense. So he basically was with me every second after his birth. Um, and so soon thereafter, around four months, he started to develop other symptoms such as swallowing problems where he'd get the liquid into his lungs, neuromuscular issues where he was just floppy. It was hard for him to sit in a stroller. Um, and, and just, and then also just an inflammatory response, which, which wasn't explained by allergy testing. Um, so they were able to control the asthma and, and such things with nebulizer treatments and 
the swallowing problems of the thickened food and the apnea obviously had the monitor. So I just kind of went along with it. <clears throat> and then he, he, he would reach his milestones, but at the very end of his, at the time, and, and the doctors were like, let's just let it work out. It'll be fine. And then I began to feed him foods that were, um, you know, regular foods. Of, of course, at the time, this is 20 years ago, I didn't know what was going on in terms of additives and preservatives. So it was just the normal Gerber, you know, yogurt would die, all those type of things. And the mm -hmm. symptoms began to get a lot worse. And um, in addition to that, I had done my whole house, repainted it and done the floor. So there just was like quite a lot of fumes. I just was completely unaware of all this. But anyway, I had him tested for every possible disease, including all the neuromuscular diseases, all the food allergies, cystic fibrosis, and they all came back negative. And I was just stuck with my son knowing that he wasn't doing, he wasn't thriving. Um, so I really began to pay attention to his symptoms and how they responded to different foods and different environments. And what I discovered is they all got worse when he was exposed to food additives, preservatives, food dyes. When uh, I eventually got air filters, when I wasn't running the air filters, when he'd go to um, like cabs with like the, the pine <laughs> air, mm -hmm. air things. And so, but, but I still hadn't figured out why. So where I kind of started was um, two things happened. One, I, I found a, a group in Australia that had kids with the similar problems um, called Fed Up With Additives and, and also in the United States, Feingold. So it kind of gave me some insight into what additives to look for. And the second thing that happened is with his muscular issues, since he didn't have the typical muscular diseases, I looked into how muscles work. And as it turns out, calcium within the cells plays a major role. So I became familiar with an enzyme called calcium ATPase, which controls muscle function. And so just on a hunch, I typed in one of the additives, BHT and TBHQ. And what I found out is they inhibit this enzyme um, called calcium ATPase, which actually is related to muscles in addition to mast cells, allergic responses, in addition to mood swings, in addition to asthma. And so what I began to put together the pieces that all these things that inhibited this enzyme were the things he was sensitive to. And um, from there, I began to learn more about the enzyme and, and discovered it was important to everybody's health. So that's kind of the background, but the starting point and the most important point was my son's health. Yeah. And literally, Rundy, I was reading your book and I'm a new mom. Um, I have a six and a half month year old and like I would find myself like kind of on the brink of tears, just feeling for you because I imagine, I mean, becoming a mom and those early days is already so overwhelming. And I just can't imagine having to kind of navigate that at the same time as just, you know, bonding with your son, learning to be a mother. I mean, there's just so much that goes into that. Um, so I can just imagine that that was just very challenging for you and, and kind of your story hits on a, for lack of a better word theme that I hear so often in talking to people in this space. And it's just that when the traditional medical community kind of falls short to provide you with answers, um, and that you kind of have to be the advocate for your own health, or in this case, that of your child's health. And 
I'm sure there are so many other mothers um, and people who are struggling with their own health issues that that would resonate with. So what is your advice for people in becoming your own advocate and kind of where did you start? I mean, I imagine that you went down quite the rabbit hole to find answers yourself. I mean, right. I mean, I, I really, and I encourage everybody to pay attention to modern medicine because there's some things that are easy to diagnose that you can treat. So I'm not Mm -hmm. recommending you ignore science, but the, the most important thing is that you observe, you know, either your child or yourself and, and only, you know, your child as well as anybody because you're with them and also yourself. So if you can really pay attention to the symptoms, then you can begin to unravel potential causes of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think everybody has the same issues, but I do think that that intimate knowledge of your child, you know, until you find something that helps, um, you know, just keep pursuing it because otherwise it's just, you're just not going to have a good day. Absolutely. So to back up a little bit, just for people who might not even know what cellular health really is or means or pertains to, can you explain a little bit more about that? Sure. So when you think of calcium, you usually think of bones and teeth, um, which is true. So 99% of all calcium in the body, which actually is 2.2 pounds is found in the bones and teeth. And so this is separate from that, which is something I never knew about, which is calcium levels within the cell. And basically the levels of calcium within the cell go up and down. And that's what triggers, for example, muscle contraction or mast cell release or anything that happens in the body. But what's the key thing that I'm focusing on is something has to modulate that because it needs to go up and it needs to go down. So calcium ATPase is like a pump. So when the calcium levels are too high, it pumps the calcium back into storage vesicles so that the calcium levels are constant. So I I know that's a new concept, but what you can imagine, since the calcium levels are like traffic signals, if those aren't working properly, for example, in a city, there's gonna be a lot of different problems. And that's kind of what happens, that does happen when cellular calcium is dysregulated, there's just Mm -hmm. a ton of problems that can occur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If it's so important, you know, how come we don't hear about it all that often? And how come the doctors were so, um, weren't quick to be able to give you and provide answers? Um, You know, I've gotten several letters or emails from doctors who said that intracellular calcium wasn't covered very much during medical schools or even in a lot of the current science books. But the reality is, the scientific journals and the research, there's over 30,000 articles about calcium HPA. So it's not something that's not known in the scientific community. It just hasn't filtered down mm. to, you know, the, your average doctor or even just most medical professionals, although the scientists have quite, have defined it quite well. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that kind of, um, known fact, if you will, that doctors don't get a lot of, um, nutrition education in their medical school. And, and it seems as if the level of calcium ATPase is very connected to diet and kind of those traditional, um, 
quote unquote processed foods, if you will. So 20 years ago, I mean, I imagine that, you know, you mentioned kind of the diet piece, you mentioned kind of the cleaning product and, and I would think that, you know, skincare and beauty products would also play a role in this. So how did you navigate making that change? Obviously today it's probably a little bit easier with a lot of cleaner brands coming on market, but how did you make that start making that change then? And then what are some of those low hanging fruit items that we can do to, um, protect ourselves now? Sure. Well, it was really difficult because if you mentioned it to any doctor, they basically thought you're crazy. I mean, they Mm-hmm. thought his bumps were mites. So of course I treated him with all the mite cream. I mean, my parents thought I was crazy until they took care of him for a week and went off, off the diet and, and Canute, you know, deteriorated um, completely. So it was just really yeah. difficult. And there, and there weren't dye free, you know, items, which are now available in BHT free, free items. So it was really difficult. Um, but I really, um, now it's a lot easier and just some kind of low hanging fruits would be obviously food dyes and food additives, which items are, are much more available now. Another thing is organic food because every single pesticide is a powerful inhibitor of calcium ATPase. And, and the thing is a really interesting study. If you just go organic for a week, the the pesticide levels within the urine go down to almost zero. So that just shows you it does make a difference. And there's obviously certain fruits and vegetables that are higher in pesticides, which is the Environmental Working Group has a great list of those, the dirty dozen, et cetera. Another thing that you probably wouldn't think of is grilling food. So if you grill food where it's really burned, it creates something called pyrophyrenes, benzopyrenes. And those are actually also strong inhibitors of calcium ATPase. And finally, um, another easy one is sunscreen. And so certainly the chemical sunscreens are not good because they inhibit calcium ATPase. But another thing is zinc oxide and titanium dioxide nanoparticles also inhibit calcium ATPase. And fortunately, there's a lot of sunscreens now that have non-nano. Um, so that's just another thing that mineral is definitely better than chemical. And if you can't find non-nano, but the thing that's so cool now is even CVS has non-nano, um, awesome products. So how do you test for levels of calcium ATPase? And even if you yourself, I imagine if you're, you know, you weren't necessarily struggling with low levels, it was your son, but did you ever get tested yourself? And now one thing that's really frustrating that I'm working on with a researcher now is there's no test that you can test the levels. But what is clear is that for every single person, let me just back up a bit. Mm -hmm. Calcium ATPase, if you have reduced levels, has been shown to have a bad effect on neurodevelopment. So for example, lead and mercury, the reason why they cause damage is they reduce calcium ATPase. Same with alcohol during um, the, the prenatal period. So no matter what child, whoever the child is, you want to avoid things that inhibit this crucial enzyme. Now with Canute, calcium regulation is controlled by a number of different enzymes and pumps. So I can't say for sure that calcium ATPase in particular was his main problem. But what I can say is that being exposed to things that reduced calcium ATPase made his symptoms worse. 
Mm-hmm. So for, for every child with muscle weakness, for example, um, calcium ATPase plays a role in muscle contraction. For every normal child, it still plays a role. So I would recommend everybody, regardless of their child's symptoms, everybody should pay attention to this just because it's so important to their health and also for adults. And in in adults, reduced levels make you vulnerable to all sorts of chronic diseases like heart disease, diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, um, et cetera. And and you might ask, well, how do you know that? And Mm -hmm. it's all in the scientific literature. And some things that are really exciting is that the researcher I'm working with, Dr. Dahl, and the compound that he's that he's discovered that stimulates calcium ATPase has been shown in studies from Mount Sinai, from Japan, from the Netherlands, from Spain, to all help protect against diseases such as Alzheimer's, diabetes, um, heart disease, etc. So it, it's no matter who you are or what your health condition, calcium ATPase is important. And hopefully, in the next year or so, there'll be a test that you can get at the doctor's office, plus diagnostics, etc. Um, but in the meantime, it's still relevant to your health. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I acknowledge you for being one of those voices that is trying to make it more known and mainstream and putting a book like this out into the world. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, when your son was initially struggling with these health issues, that was 20 years ago. So, you know, your book came out this year. What inspired you to write this book now? So, you know, I was gathering information, you know, for over a decade, you Mm -hmm. know, and then I kind of, I kind of put a pause on it, but you know, I just kind of found my purpose and I felt like if I died without getting this book out, you know, there's something important might never come out or Mm -hmm. it would come out later. So, you know, it took me about four years to write it and it's, you know, I had to accept it wasn't going to be perfect. And it was kind of one of those things that was between medicine and the general public. Um, But I thought my goal was to generate discussion and knowledge about this enzyme, um, you know, to hopefully push, push, you know, help people's health. That was, that was the, that was my goal. And um, that's what I tried to do. Yeah. So kind of thinking about your experience and your journey, you know, what would you, what would you want moms or moms to be, or even pregnant women to know, um, just about this enzyme and what they can do? So I, I hate to put, you know, more guilt on moms prenatal, because I know it's very stressful just being pregnant, but oh yes, <laughs> what I what I really learned from my research was which is absolutely clear. And one study they did at Duke University, they exposed neurons from prenatal tissue to calcium ATPase inhibitors. And what they found is it reduced neuron growth, it reduced neuron complexity, and it reduced neuron networks. So and another example, like I mentioned before, is children born with, with the alcohol syndrome also have reduced calcium ATPase levels. So, so alcohol, you know, if you drink it rarely, I don't think it's going to cause a nightmare effect. But just know that when you drink it, alcohol inhibits calcium ATPase in your baby. Mm. So that's, you know, just something to 
pay attention to. And again, also pesticides, food dyes, and, and especially mercury and seafood. So prenatally, you know, the, the, what you have does affect the calcium ATPase levels when your child is born. And like I said, it's very important for neurodevelopment. So, you know, even if you can't be perfect, every single thing you do can add up. So in general, do your best. Yes. Um, and, you know, now we have so many options. Um, it's a lot easier. And, um, and then with, with moms, it, you know, you have to really think of it in terms of an, a bank account. Like your kid has certain calcium ATPase levels and okay, when they go to the birthday party, they may have the cake with dyes, but when they're at home, they're not going to have it. So, you know, there's going to be times where you have withdrawals when you're not perfect. I mean, with my son, um, that was part of part of the reality of life, Um, but it's really cumulative. So I think that it's unrealistic to think everything is going to be perfect, but that doesn't mean that paying attention to it isn't going to be beneficial. Yeah. And I think, you know, just in general, there are so many parents out there that are having to navigate, you know, food allergies or even sensitivities. And it's something that's easy to, again, for lack of a better word, control when you're home, but when your kid is out at a friend's house or birthday parties or school and, you know, those types of sugary foods are very tempting, you know, what did you do to help your son navigate those situations and then kind of instill intrinsic motivation to want to make those better choices himself when you weren't there? Right. Well, just one thing I haven't mentioned is that high blood sugar is the enemy of calcium ATPase. Mm. And what happens is the sugar molecule through glycation actually attaches itself to the calcium ATPase enzyme. So you don't want to be in a high blood sugar level on a regular basis several times a day because it's the enemy of calcium ATPase. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, I kind of had to be revolutionary you know I the kids were not supposed to bring their lunch to school I I made arrangements so that we could when we'd go to vacation on some island I knew there wasn't going to be organic food I'd pack food in a freezer (laughs) and take it there and you know um and you know in terms of play dates I would send a snack that he could have in terms of a special birthday party of his big friend of his best friend, you know, okay, he's going to have the cake, just try to avoid the red roses. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so I I think that, you know, you really have to be proactive. And the only reason to do it, the only motivation to do it is, is your kid's health. So, you know, that's it. So you just kind of have to keep that in mind. You're not trying to be an evangelist. You're not trying to convince other people. You're just doing what's best for your child. In terms of how I help Canute transition into making those choices himself, you know, you know, by the time he was seven or eight, he could feel the difference when mm-hmm. he ate, you know, and it's one of those things, it's not like instant, it's cumulative. So, you know, it, the first day it's going to be okay. You know, if he, when he went to camp, it was really difficult, but it was three weeks but I had like the, the camp director allowed me to like 
provide all the food for him and they cooked it. Um, mm. But, but you, you know, it, it's not, it's not an instant thing, which makes it harder to pinpoint. Um, but as he got older, he began to figure it out. And now that he's in college, he's a, a junior in college, you know, he has to, he's, he's majoring in mechanical engineering <clears throat> at Georgia wow. Tech and he has to be able to concentrate. There's no way around it. So, you know, when he goes on, on kind of a weekend bench, not with alcohol, but with, you know, the wrong foods, he pays the price. So he really completely manages it on his own. And, you know, when he's home, like during COVID, during exam period, he's like, mom, you have to cook all on food. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to do this. So eventually self-interest comes to the picture, but I, I know it's hard in the meantime. Um, but the main thing I would try to explain to your kids is that you're doing it because you love them. Mm -hmm. And as a partnership, and you're not trying to be the grouchy enemy here. Um, and, and I think the kids are much more sophisticated these days. And I think they can, it's not a cool thing to do things that are bad for you. Um, right. So, you know, it's, it's uh, different kids are, are different and some kids, you know, it's impossible. Um, you know, but, but like I said, everything you do, you know, is important that can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when it is your child's health involved, it, it can be a very motivating factor in terms of making those better choices um, for them. And, and, you know, when I, I spent years health coaching and, you know, something that I saw and heard quite often was, you know, I would never feed my child that, but here I am making these choices over here that aren't serving my health. So I think that just kind of puts right. things into perspective. Yes, right? definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's, and especially as they get older, they really call you out. On it. Right. So, right. You know, so it's like, but, but definitely what I found for me is that it, I do much better, you know, clearly when I make the kind of choices that I I'm asking Canute to make. So it definitely made me more aware of the effect of foods on my health. Um, so, it, you know, that's, that's a, a positive byproduct of it. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to say is that I think in some ways it's kind of hard when you have this abstract notion of food dyes are bad, you know, potassium bromate's bad, mercury in food is bad. Um, food additives are bad and non-organic food is bad. I think it's kind of hard in the abstract to, to get a handle on that. Mm -hmm. So I think if you could make a list of all the things that inhibit calcium ATPase activity and think of it in terms, like I said, a bank account, they're, they're all having this negative impact. They have other negative impacts, but they all share this in common. And even with Canute, showing him that, just gave him an anchor to understand that these things in combination over time were not good for him. Yes, exactly. And I think kind of the, um, the difference or the dichotomy, if you will, is that, uh, you know, a lot of those foods that I hear that don't serve you, your son, whoever we're talking about versus the ones that do, it's almost like that, difference between instant gratification and the longer term effects. So if you can make a choice 
keeping those longer term benefits in mind, it'll be more motivating than if you were to just kind of, you know, want to eat the birthday cake with the red rose because it tastes delicious in those first 10 seconds, but that, you know, 10 minutes, an hour later, you're going to be paying the price for that. So, um, it's just kind of keeping that mindset at the forefront to be able to motivate yourself to make better choices. Definitely. And something else that I haven't mentioned that's really positive is there are certain foods that contain nutrients that actually boost calcium ATPA. So there's yeah, would love to hear about them. of things that you have to avoid, but there's also these exciting things that you can add. And so there are kind of a lot of them are the superfoods that you know about, but just having that one more level of boosting calcium ATPA, I think will give you the motivation. So basically there are like berries, like blueberries, strawberries, uh, goji berries. Um, there's uh, the lycopene and uh, carrots, tomatoes, and there's a resveratrol in red grapes and red wine. There's um, vitamin E, which is, you know, one serving of sunflower seeds um, has something like 60% of your daily vitamin E requirement. Um, in my book, I have a complete list of those foods. And I also have some recipes that each one contains two or three of those uh, foods. So, you know, if you can serve that once a week, you'll kind of give them a calcium ATKs power meal. Um, yeah, so that's, that's just another thing to keep in mind. And, and I think that, you know, really figuring out what, what kind of, what things on the list your kids like, um, and really emphasizing those, um, is the way, the way to it. And, and again, I'm not just saying in general, these are good foods, which they are. I'm saying in particular, in the research studies, the compounds such as elegant acid, um, vitamin E, liposine, et cetera, in the research, those have been shown to stimulate calcium ATP. So again, those are some deposits that you can make um, to kind of offset, you know, the the, the uh, other choices that aren't aren't so great. And in addition to that, exercise is also mm-hmm. something that stimulates calcium ATPase as well as stress reduction. So you know, there's these negatives of things to avoid, but there's also these positive things that you can do. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, when I was health coaching, I always tried to talk in terms of what are those behaviors or choices that you can add in, in order to crowd out the behaviors or choices that you're trying to reduce from your life, I guess. And so I love kind of thinking about it in those terms and I want to kind of unpack those different aspects, um, nutrition, stress, sleep, exercise a little bit more, but going back to the nutrition side, you know, it's almost, it's that concept of eating the rainbow. Right. And, and I even wrote a book that's called, um, counting colors. And because, you know, I think that, and I'm sure, you know, that 20, 30 years ago, there was all about counting calories and, um, and this rise of low fat, high carb and those brown white foods and those processed packaged foods, um, that so many people turn to when they have this dieting mindset, but nature provides you with the foods that we are intended to eat. And those nutrients show up in the form of colors in those foods. So I'm just reminded of that. And I love that because, um, you know, I think 
to create a colorful plate, even if you're not um, closely like, you know, trying to monitor for a specific health goal in mind, like as long as you create a colorful plate, it's going to serve you better than if you were to just turn to those processed packaged foods. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I love that metaphor. I think that's a beautiful metaphor. And certainly that would cover the majority of foods that are good for calcium HPA. So, and, and I think over time, your kids appreciate the colors. Yeah. (laughs) Aesthetics do play a role in human nature. And, and I, so I, again, I love that metaphor. I think I'm going to have to find your book. And uh, those are definitely the things. And, and, you know, it's so difficult because if you go into a CVS or Walgreens, you know, there's just so much crap. I, I mean, know. so much of the junk food is just like so bad for yeah. if you go to a grocery store. I mean, it's just, you know, so you kind of have to try to make the kids food um, appealing. And, you know, the, yeah, it's just and, and same with adults. So, um, yeah. yeah. And it's hard work. I mean, there's a reason for it in our society. These convenient foods are easier to turn to. And, you know, I've recently started my son on solid foods and, um, and I like, and I actually like to make his own purees and stuff like that. And, and, you know, even though he doesn't really understand what I'm saying, I'm like, these blueberries have anthocyanin and it's an antioxidant that's, you know, and I'll try and like talk to him about this and, um, and, you know, it's like, I almost, I love fixing his food, but then I'm like, well, now I have to fix myself breakfast. Like, you know, it's like three meals a day. So especially when you have an infant, I mean, you know, that is just, you know, super, super difficult. But the truth is, you know, if you, if you're eating crab and you have to take care of an infant, it's so much harder, Um, you know, but, but there are a lot of now options in terms of, you know, both for adult and children's food that you can, you know, in an emergency or, or maybe two or three days a week, you know, I think that, I think you can't set unrealistic expectations that you'll be perfect in terms of providing your kid with everything. Um, and I think it's a great idea that you're talking to him now, even if you can't understand all of it, I do think it registers. And I mean, Knute knew about calcium case when he was three and if you try to explain it. So I, I do think it's a great idea to try to, to begin to communicate. And so I, I applaud you for that because I think it's very rare, especially at four months or forever old he is, but yeah, yeah. you know, he's very, he's very, very lucky to have you as a mom. Oh, thank you. So. And, and yeah. And, and you mentioned blood sugar and, and that was always at the foundation of my health coaching. And, and before we started recording, I mentioned that I have a natural foods company because it's, it's almost as if, you know, one, I did health coach a lot of busy moms and when I would give them recipes and, um, meal plans and things like that, they'd be like, I don't have time to, you know, and here I was like a single, like I made three meals a day and just, you know, meal prep and packing snacks. And that was never difficult for me, but now becoming a mom, I understand how challenging it is. So I wanted gratified to be a blood sugar balancing option, even if it came in a package with really clean ingredients and just, to have that level of trust that if you needed to rip open a bar, like that would be something that would fuel you and make you feel good. So can you just, um, quickly kind of talk again about the importance of blood sugar balance, um, with this enzyme? Sure. So, so one example of, 
a clear example of what blood high blood sugar can do um, is diabetes. So, mm-hmm. as you know, in diabetes, there's all sorts of negative effects, such as the heart, the nerves, the um, muscles. And what happens in diabetes, what causes all those problems is reduced calcium ATPase because, as I said, the sugar molecule attaches itself to calcium ATPase through glycation and renders it useless. So that's an extreme. Um, what, what I would say about blood sugar, when you have you know, something super sweet and your blood sugar spikes and then it goes low and then you're hungry again, that's one issue but that is actually blood sugar for a short burst of time. But what's even worse, if you overload on carbohydrates that you know keep your blood sugar elevated for a longer period of time, because that means it's, it's glycating your calcium base for a longer period of time. And, and I think for adults, the great thing now is there's all these monitors that you can get, you know, that you basically plug in your arm and you can track your blood sugar for a week or two without having to take fingerprints and kind of just get a sense of, oh, gee, this particular type of food elevated my blood sugar for three hours. You know, I might cut, I might cut back on my carbs, you know, maybe have half a cup of pasta, but the the thing is everybody's blood sugar response is so different. So I think Mm -hmm. to the extent you can really educate yourself, um, but for kids, you know, as it currently stands, they're hit with sugar all day, you know, from the breakfast Pop-Tarts to snack time to, you know, juice at lunch to, to additional snacks. To, so, so for kids, you know, I just think you really should, um, you know, not, and if they are going to have a sweet pair with it, this is everyone knows this, but have it as a dessert mm-hmm. after a meal. Um, but I, I do think that doesn't mean occasionally, you know, go to the ice cream parlor and have an ice cream cone, you know, after a day at the beach. Um, right. I think it's just having it be a constant, you know, assault every day, five or six times a day with soda, et cetera, are things that, you know, you can make adjustments in. Yes, absolutely. And um, you're so right about how everyone's blood sugar. I mean, and there's those overarching principles of blood sugar balance that people can adhere to. Like, you know, you mentioned the really sugary processed foods and refined carbohydrates and things like that. And also the fact that if you're constantly eating and snacking and drinking soda throughout the day, that also keeps your blood sugar levels elevated, which is again, opposite on how I grew up believing that we should eat, you know, eating six to seven small meals constantly. And, um, but yes, you are right. There are those, those low hanging fruit items that you can do to ensure that your blood sugar is balanced. Um, and you know, having the sweet treat, because I talk about this a lot and how, you know, having an ice cream cone after a day at the beach or having your favorite piece of cake on your birthday. Like those are soul nourishing foods that, um, there should be no guilt about, and you shouldn't worry about, you know, extreme cases aside, you know, if it's going to negatively affect you, et cetera. But then there's those cell nourishing foods, like the ones that we talked about with the colors in nature that you should focus on, you know, 80, 90% of the time. Um, and kids can be different because I know that they have different palates and, you know, sometimes you, as a mom with toddlers or young children and, and they're 
begging you for the Oreos or whatever. And, you know, they're kind of having a tantrum. It's like some moms, I imagine just kind of get frustrated and throw their hands in the air. And, you know, it's a, it's a nutrition for children is a, is a different landscape to navigate than you feeding yourself. But, um, how would you say your son eats now? So he basically, well, he avoids all additives, all processed yeah. food, you know, all soda. Um, he doesn't, you know, he has a cookie after, after a meal, he, he eats vegetables. He really likes vegetables, mm-hmm. fortunately. Um, so he has, you know, big plate of steamed vegetables, basically with a clean protein. I mean, it's in, in the rainbow of colors. He, he, for whatever reason, a lot of fruits don't work for him, but, um, that's kind of where it gets back to individual responses, but he, you know, he eats berries every day. He has almond butter with carrot sticks. I mean, it's, it's a pretty simple thing to follow. Um, he's, he's just not, he's developed kind of a certain palate that Mm -hmm. that's not difficult for him, but Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean he doesn't like the occasional night out with friends and, and all that, but it's just balanced with, um, with the, the good foods. But the other thing I want to say, which I think is really important is in addition to food, you know, the thing that makes you motivated to make these healthy choices is your spirit. Mm-hmm. So you really have to nourish your spirit to have the motivation to make changes. And, and for everybody, that's a different, a different thing that things that make you feel happy or grounded, but with children, it's also super important because, you know, I know when I was in second grade, I started just eating a lot of food and it was really because I was just really unhappy and not felt ab- abandoned and so forth. But what, what I think you should focus on in addition to providing your kids nutrient-rich food is, you know, go on and take the walk with them, throw the football, um, sign them up for art classes if they like art. I mean, it's just as important to nourish your kid's spirit as as it is to nourish them with food. And the more their spirit is nourished, the less they're going to want to escape with junk food in front of the TV. Absolutely. And I'm so happy you brought that up. And it's why I believe so strongly in the holistic view of health. And, and, you know, I've seen it in myself too, you know, similar to your story, my freshman year of college is when I kind of developed this very disordered view of food and control of food and over-exercise. And it was because I was so unhappy. And I think that that isn't communicated enough that in order to, because, you know, again, when I was in the height of my health coaching nine times out of 10, I would feel like, well, this doesn't really have anything to do with the food. You know, a lot of women came to me for weight loss and was frustrated because they'd been on this journey for how many years and were never able to see results. And a lot of the times not to generalize, but a lot of women have emotional attachments to foods and, and it can kind of be this thing that people turn to in order to numb if there's imbalances in other aspects of life, um, which is why those aspects such as joy and career and relationships and spirituality need to be pulled in, in any healing journey, whatever you're talking about. So I would love to kind of talk about that a little bit more. I know you mentioned kind of stress and sleep, um, as factors that come in, but how are they relevant? And also, um, what would you recommend to people to figure out how to nourish their spirit? 
because it's something that's not very common in our society. Right. So, but the last thing I want to do is put something else on your to-do list um, because that's not going to work, you know, in terms of, oh, you've got to meditate, you've got to do this and that. Mm -hmm. Um, It really comes from a different place. Um, But in terms of sleep, you know, just basically reduce calcium ADPase prevents melatonin production. So that's just to the extent you can keep your calcium ATPase levels, um, you know, optimal, that should help your sleep. In terms of figuring out what makes you happy, one thing I suggest is think about when you were a kid, what things you really like to do. And one of the things I really like to do was swim and go mm-hmm. under the water where, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't hear anything. So for me, a long bath and I just, you know, put my head in the water. That's amazing. So, you know, so I, I think really, and, and, you know, I used to like to play basketball. So shooting basketball hoops and, and I just put a, an ice skating ring, which is a tiny little one because I love to ice skate. So I think, but those are things that I love to do as a child. So I think if you can remember back to things that made you happy then, and I know it's not always possible to recreate the exact moments, but, you know, that's how I would approach it. And, you know, my sister loved to dance when she was younger. And so she's doing tango twice a week. And it's made Mm -hmm. such a huge difference in her spirit and her eating patterns. And another thing, she loved to play the piano. So she started uh, playing the piano again. So I think, uh, you know, think about times when you were really joyous and try not to look at it as everybody tells you the same thing, you know, meditate, walk in nature, you know, get enough sleep. And all those are all true, but try to find some things that that you actually love that are individual to you. And by doing those, you'll be much more motivated to take care of the other things. And, and it's really so personal. And, you know, you, it's really something you have to go inside yourself to, um, to figure out. Yes. And it, it just reminds me of something that I've been trying to incorporate more into my life is just this idea of play. And, yeah. and I don't think that that is, as an adult, I mean, something that is prioritized and it's such a shame because kind of what you're speaking to is that it puts you in that flow state. It puts you in that joyous state. And, you know, when you're in that, it it does become more motivating to want to take care of your physical body and to just your mental health. Um, and it, and it kind of, you know, it's, it's like this, um, feedback loop that happens and, and, and it, it'll make you feel healthy and then you'll want to take care of yourself more. So, um, I love that. And and it's something that I think everyone should try and, and ironically, I was going to say work towards (laughs) work to put more play in your life. Right. Right. Well, well, one thing about play is you stop thinking, right? So it was kind of like, it's a meditation, but even something like playing a game of cards or Uno, or backgammon. It's amazing after you play that, you know, in a way it's almost as good as meditation because you just, you get a break from your mind. Um, So, you know, there's a lot of creative ways to play. And the most important thing is that you play something where you don't have to think um, about anything else except the moment. Yeah. And you're actually reminding me, this kind of just came to me at this exact moment, but when, um, you know, COVID was, um, 
unfolding, if you will, in March of 2020, my husband and I would spend the evenings um, playing card games and Mancala and Scrabble and things in Monopoly. And now I'm thinking like that was probably this subconscious need to just you know, given the state of the world and our individual lives and how anxious everything was, like we probably just needed to do something like from childhood in order to take our minds off of it. Yeah, it, I, I commend you. And that's so true. And, um, and and the thing that's hard is usually when you feel the worst, it's so hard to make that effort. Mm-hmm. But if you can just start it, then the game or the, or the playtime can take over. And, um, and I think what you said is, you know, probably absolutely true with you and your husband. And, and I love all those games. Mm, so fun. Um, so we only have um, a couple minutes left and I want to respect your time. Um, so just a few more questions. So um, I would ask just for a, a take home action item, especially that we've kind of talked about the real food piece of it, but in terms of kind of the skincare and the cleaning products, are there any particular brands that you would recommend that you turn to, um, in order to support your health in this way? Sure. So I know there's a lot of clean brands. There's a lot of clean brands you can find, um, you know, whole foods and everywhere else. I happen to like Aspen and it's really just because, um, I just like it. <laughs> it cleans really well. It comes with like, you can order a certain cloths. So like the kitchen, I mean, it just becomes spotless. So I, I like Aspen, um, for, for my personal, um, you know, use, I like, you know, Tom's toothpaste and, um, those, those oral care products. Um, you know, a lot of the self self traditional products contain, BHA, BHT, aluminum, et cetera. So, and even if you're looking at some of their natural products by the big names, they still contain things like BHT, BHA. Um, so, you know, you look at, if you look at products, just look at the label and, you know, typically if it's over 20 ingredients, yeah. you know, it's not going to be something, um, that you use. And, and, you know, there's so many food products now. I like Amy's, you know, um, organic frozen dinners. You know, I like, um, I like having an air fryer to cook Mm. chicken, you know, chicken drumsticks in it's really simple just with olive oil. you know, I like the pre-cut produce, organic produce at Whole Foods because you can just put them on a baking sheet so with, easy. Oil, with oil and, and roast them. Um, one thing I didn't mention is cooking with foil. You should never cook citric foods with um, aluminum foil because the, the citric uh, acid in it makes the foil, the aluminum leach into your food. So, you know, when you're making those fish, you know, easy mm-hmm. fish treats, you know, mm. use parchment paper, yeah. don't use uh, aluminum oil. Just another simple thing. If you order Chinese food and you get the wonton soup, yeah, ideally it would be in paper containers, but immediately dump it out and put it into a glass bowl because the heat causes the bisphenol and those type of things to leach into the product. And, and one other thing in terms of that you wouldn't think about sushi. So regular tuna, is pretty low in mercury, but the type of tuna they use for sushi, which is these, these giant tunas have super high levels of mercury. So you definitely don't want to be tuna sushi to your kids. And, and really you should avoid it 
um, you know, like one serving of it can have your mercury levels for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so sushi's great. I love sushi, but avoid, avoid the, maybe not get the tuna one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, okay. But if you love it, maybe on your birthday. Yeah. Those are some great tips. Thank you. Um, so you put a work like this out into the world, you write a book. I imagine that you have, um, and, and you kind of talked about this in the beginning, intentions for putting this out into the world. What would you say would be like two to three intentions or takeaways that you would want your audience to come away with? Um, so number one, the things you put in your body and the environment that you're in can make a difference for your health. And this is just one overarching reason that I think makes it, you know, that much less abstract. Um, the second thing is, you know, really, if your kid's not thriving, really pay attention because as a mother, it doesn't really matter what the doctors say, you know, your child. So, um, and, and again, like I said before, don't, there are some things like allergy shots. If your kids have allergies, there are things that the traditional medical community has to offer. Um, so I wouldn't discount those totally. Um, the third thing thing is it's amazing how the chronic diseases, such as, like I said, uh, Alzheimer's, heart attacks, cancer, obesity, diabetes, they're all affected by reduced calcium ATPase. So throughout your lifetime, that's something to pay attention to. And so really what I'm trying to do is just bring it to people's consciousness and I'm not selling anything. My intention is simply to, to get this information out. And um, I'm not saying calcium space is the only important aspect of health, but it's one aspect of health that I want people to learn about. That's amazing. And I think that your intentions and your passion for putting this information out there just definitely shines through. And um, it's just wonderful, the work that you're doing in this world. So thank you. So, so one thing I just want to say, which was really gratifying is, um, you know, Dr. Lee had me on his podcast, John Robbins, the Food Action Network wrote a blurb for the back of my book. So, you know, there are people in the public, general public space that get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I hate to say that adds credibility, but it does. For so, sure. uh, you know, so, you know, and another thing, the last thing I'll say is if you're, you're not prepared to buy the book, I have a great website, brundybrody.com. And the thing I'd recommend the most is you go to the newsletters because I have like a library of newsletters um, that have just some really practical tips. And so that's just a place where I think no matter what, that can give you some valuable information um, and I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. So that that's one area that I, I feel like can help everybody. Absolutely. And just having that information digestible on various tiers and kind of having that be a good starting point. And then I'm sure people would be very motivated to seek out your book for sure. Um, so before we hop off, where are other places that people can find you? So, um, I'm on Instagram, which is again, Brundy Brody, which is B-R-U-N-D-E. It's a family name. So B-R-U-N-D-E, Brody, B-R-O-A-D-Y. So I'm on Instagram and on Facebook and I have my website. And again, on my website, I would really encourage you to start with the newsletters. And, you know, I'm really open to 
any questions people have um, in terms of emailing me, you know, I really, my goal is really each person that learns about this is meaningful to me. So feel yeah. free to email me and, um, and, but I'm not plugging my book. Sure. I'd like you to read the book, but you know, just learning those things from my uh, social media is, is something of value. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much. This conversation has been so great. And I know our listeners have learned so much. I know I have, and um, just so grateful that you could provide so much insight and just thank you for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I'll definitely seek you out on Instagram too. And, and we'll connect and I want to get you some gratified products. So um, when we go offline, I'll, I'll make sure to get that information so I can send you some stuff. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people. For further learning, be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes, and you can connect with us on Instagram at healthified and at gratified. Until next time.